if it's a cheap deal, let's put the number at half the franchise tag, like fifteen million a season for Daniel Jones. If he continues to ascend and, and Dayball loves him and he thinks he can win with him, isn't that kind of a no-brainer? I mean, you could still go try to find a quarterback in the draft if you want. If you're sure. not going to be picking at the top of the draft anyway if you keep winning. We're four and one here. Man, it's going to be hard for the Giants to move on from a Daniel Jones or a Saquon Barkley if they keep performing like this. What could their next contract with the team look like? And should they be a package deal? We'll get into that topic here coming up a little bit later in the show. But first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us as we enjoy the worst 4 and one football team in NFL history. Dan, I know you're enjoying the hell out of this ride. I could, couldn't be having more fun. I don't <laughs> think anybody associated with the Giants at any level could be having more fun, especially given you know everything that the team, the organization, the writers have gone through in recent years. Uh, it's, it's definitely a welcome change of pace. Sunday was wild. Um, this whole year to this point has been wild. And yeah, it's hard not to enjoy it. If you if you if you're a Giants fan or at all associated with a team and you're not having fun, check your balls because something something seriously wrong with you. Seriously, how can you not be enjoying this? Uh, that's Dan Benton. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary, playing host. You can support our cause by subscribing to the podcast. That's no cost to you. You just hit the subscribe button, and there we are, popping right up on your phone every week during the season, Dan. So people can catch us. You know, talking the latest Daniel Jones slander on social media. Of course, people don't want to miss the great Danton himself telling you exactly how the Giants will fare against the next opponent. There's few in the business better than you at predicting the games, Dan. Although, uh, I'm sure you were as giddy as hell to be uh, wrong about the Packers game, right? You had Packers minus eight in that ball game, but we'll take it, right? A rare miss for you that we will take gladly. Give me, give me those misses every single <laughs> yeah, time. We'll Sorry if, if you're relying on me to make you money and I cost you, but... Uh, I'll, I'll take those misses all day long. Now, your win-loss record, Dan, over the last couple of years is impeccable. So we will give you a, a pass on that. And again, I mean, who saw that? I mean, how could you not be impressed with what the Giants just did against the Packers? Because the Giants come in with a 3-1 and one record, Dan, but their high score of the year was 21. Right? It was that Titans game. When they went for two, they got to 21. That was their high score of the whole season. So when you think about that, through the first four weeks, you're, you're Top score was 21 points, but then you score 14 in the fourth quarter alone against a good Green Bay defense to overtake Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in like Lambeau International, right? Like there's a lot of Packers fans, it seemed, in London because I think Rodgers is such a recognizable name, right? Yeah, that was yeah. that was surprising. I thought, you know, I thought there might be a, a, a lean towards the Packers, but man, they were they were really out for the Packers on Sunday. Oh, man. So the offense is, is where I want to start, right? Because... You scored points. You scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. You scored 27 in the game. Mike Kafka has Daniel Bellinger rushing for a touchdown, right? And the, the second half really stood out, right? You, you basically had three possessions in that second half. One of them, you tried to run the clock out and took a safety, right? Um, just managing the end of the ball game. But you had three real possessions, and they went 11 plays, 56 yards, field goal. 15 plays, 91 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 60 yards, touchdown. A lot of that coming from behind and in crunch time in the second half, fourth quarter. I mean, that's really good stuff, Dan. That's stuff that we haven't seen from the Giants. Uh, hopefully it's sustainable. If they're going to score in the mid to high 20s with the way the defense is playing, which we're going to get to here, they're going to be tough to beat. Like, this is going to be not a fake four and one thing where we're just joking around about it. They're going to be tough to beat if they score points. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and that's that's a, really it's a credit to the whole team because you talk about, you know, if they get to you know in the mid 20s, they're basically going to win games. Well, that's good offense. And that means good defense. So the Giants are really putting the pieces together. And I actually heard Eli Manning say it 
um, I believe it was this morning on uh, one of his interviews that, you know, he, he said, this is just good team football. It reminds us a lot. Or it reminds me a lot of what we were doing in 2007. Now, again, not saying that this is a Super Bowl team, but it's just everybody playing good football, being accountable for themselves, helping those around them. You've got Daniel Jones, dare I say, making players around him better at the moment. And, um, yeah, that's that's a recipe for success. It's I don't think it's fake. I do think that it's sustainable. And maybe I wouldn't have said that a week ago or two weeks ago, but, you know, the trends are what they are, and the Giants aren't just playing good football. They are getting better, and um, that's really impressive. And they did it, they've done it against good defenses. They did it against a good team. They've taken down the AFC's number one seed and the NFC's number one seed from a year ago. Um you could throw any kind of stat out there you want to. The Giants are they're actually playing good football. Yeah, and and they're coaching the crap out of this team, right? I mean, we're, we mentioned Kafka. What did you say on Twitter, Dan? You said you bloody genius or something. You said some funny tweet about Kafka during the game. <laughs> brilliant sob. You brilliant sob. You said okay. Uh, yeah. So that was that. I mean, he's he's dialing things up, uh, and you know, I thought this ball game was over in the first half, Dan. I thought you had nailed your your pick once again. You know, I thought about betting Green Bay. I didn't do it because the line had moved by the time I was ready to bet on it. It had moved to like nine points at kickoff. So obviously the, you know, the betting public were on the Packers. And in that first half, it kind of played out that way, right? Green Bay runs 38 plays to the Giants 25. They score on four of their, their five first half possessions, including right at the end of the half, which I know was stuck in your crot halftime, Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adoree Jackson got hurt. Leonard Williams was out. Aaron Robinson still on IR. Aziz Ojolari is still out. Like uh, you just thought, I mean, it's over, right? Green Bay was getting what they wanted. They seemed like they they were in rhythm. Rogers seemed like he was kind of happy with the way you know they were hitting those timing those timing passes with the blocking and the catching and all that. The Green Bay had it going in the first half, and then the Giants pitch a shutout in the in the second half. Dan, what? Wink Martindale? Like I don't know what adjustments he made because he was patching it together, especially in the secondary. But holy crap, what happened, Dan? How did they shut him out in the second half? That was unbelievable. There, there, you know, there were multiple facets of that. The Giants obviously ate a ton of clock, so they kind of kept Green Bay's offense off the field. Yeah, those long drives, yeah. Uh, yeah, those long drives were killer. That's his, that's exactly what this Giants team needs to do, and they did it to perfection. Uh, but when Rodgers did have the opportunity, they were just throwing all kinds of different pressures at him and different looks. I don't think they they, they had a single – uh, defensive play that was the exact same at any point in the second quarter or in the second half. Uh, they were just coming at him from all angles. Um, they were getting creative with man covers, with zone covers. They were mixing everything up, and it, it just turned out to be, you know, again, great second half adjustments. We've seen it from the Giants all year, both offensively and defensively. Um, they obviously do adjust throughout the game, but you know, once they get in there and get to work at halftime, it seems like they come out and and, and they they. Are, are, are they're playing chess while the other teams are playing uh, checkers, and and you saw that again uh, this this past Sunday. I don't know how you can't look at the, what's going on in that second half, Dan, with DJ and Saquon bringing the team back, and the defense making stops and frustrating Aaron Rodgers and stopping him there at the six yard line late in the game. What was it, third and one in the six, and the Packers came away with no points. I mean, and then not think there's something something kind of fun, something kind of special going on right now with this team. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent, man. That second half was yeah, so much fun. It's a lot. No, it was, it was just it was really good football too. You know, yep. maybe if the Rams didn't throw quite as many flags as they throw, <laughs> uh, but it was really it was just a really good football game. And it's hard to look at it and knock you know either team. I thought they both played particularly well. The the coaches were coaching out of their mind at the end of the game, though. 
you know, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, Brian Dayball, they got the job done. And, you know, the coaching staff of the Packers, they were humble in defeat and they own that. You know, they basically came out and said, hey, they kicked our, our butt. They outcoached us. They outplayed us. Aaron Rodgers uh, said the exact same thing. Um, so if you don't, you know, you don't think the Giants are good, you don't want to hear the writers who say the Giants are good. You don't want to hear other fans that say the Giants are good. Just listen to the opposing coaches and players. Let them tell you. Yeah. And, and you know, Rogers went on the Pat, Pat McAfee show like he does every week, Dan. He shouted out Dexter Lawrence. He said, uh, he well, one thing that I thought was, so you could mention Dexter Lawrence in a lot of different ways, right? There's a, all kinds of nicknames, Big Dex, Sexy Dexy. You could just call him Dexter, you know, yeah. but he called him 97. <laughs> so so Rogers <laughs> said uh, to Pat McAfee in his show, 97 is a premier player and needs to probably get more recognition for the ability he has which I think is a true statement and Giants fans are nodding along along, but non Giants fans, you know, there's a you know big audience for Pat McAfee's show. They probably have no idea who 97 is off the top of their head. So I, I thought that was funny. A lot of, a lot yeah. of Googling of New York Giants yeah. number 97. I just thought that was fun. Rogers saying this guy yeah. needs to get more recognition. Here's 97. And we're all like, who's 97 Aaron. Uh, but uh, that's, you know, it was, it was cool to hear Rogers say that because Lawrence is having himself a season there seems to be a little love fest between him and Wink Martindale. He's no longer that old school defensive tackle eating up blocks, filling gaps, right? He is, uh, his job is to get after the quarterback and he's doing that uh, brilliantly so far this season. Absolutely. He's collapsing pockets left and right. He's, you know, stout against the run. He's making tackles. I mean, he's pretty much doing it all. I, you know, I've been saying it for a few weeks now that he's playing at an all pro level and I'm surprised that he's not getting as much recognition as he should get. And I think what's most impressive about that is he's ascending, but he's doing it with Leonard Williams, not on the field. So I I cannot wait to see Leonard Williams come back on the field and what that means for Dexter Lawrence. You add in Jihad Ward, uh, Nick Williams is playing great as well. And all of a sudden you're looking at the Giants defensive line and you've got the edge rushers cave on and Aziz comes back. You're like, man, there's, there's really something happening here. There's, there's a lot of potential. You just mentioned Jihad Ward. Uh, so you were uh, you were texting me that you saw him headbutting teammates helmetless. He's just uh, crazy. This He's guy crazy. is wild. I mean, he, this there's some vibes going around with the team, right? Ward is uh, just this really likable. You know, everybody says great things about him and his energy. I, I hear I read about how he carries a, a boombox around the locker room. He gets in the locker room first and has the boombox going. <laughs> so he's hilarious, obviously, somersaulting onto the field, doing all this crazy stuff. Ward is. And then we got the Darnay Holmes video that oh, we can't really explain on the on on a podcast like this Dan you kind of need the visual so if you don't yeah. know what we're talking about you just go find that on social uh but the Giants are having a lot of fun with that it just seems like oh, the, the vibes have changed around this team right the bad vibes we've had over the you know kind of the depressing you know yeah. state that the Giants have been in the vibes are changing along with this record yeah, there's no doubt about it. The Giants are having a whole hell of a lot of fun right now. That's uh, on the field, in the locker room. You see it. You hear it. Um, the coaches are having a good time. You see Dayball coming off the field, pumping his fists, screaming, getting the fans amped up. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, dapping up Joe Shane and, and, and you know, Sterling Shepard, who is also out of his mind, is on the sideline with a torn ACL jumping up and down. Um, yeah, this, it is a whole different level of energy that is in it that's being exhibited in east rutherford right now in comparison to the last several years it's like night and day there's no other way to describe it it's like night and day day ball's basically walking off the field dan like patrick mahomes like i'm him i'm here i'm here i'm here you know that thing so uh gotta love it gotta love it man so so what does it mean for the for the giants and, and maybe the future of like guys like 
Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, do they deserve new deals? Both of them. Are they a package deal? We're going to get into that here coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. We have officially reached let Geno cook territory after the journeyman tossed three touchdowns in a week five loss to the New Orleans Saints. Over the past three games, Smith has averaged 304 yards passing and he has thrown seven touchdowns against just one interception. While the Cardinals have played better since a woeful week one, they will present a stiffer challenge than the likes of the Lions or the Saints. Nevertheless, ride the hot hand. Smith has a pretty good matchup overall and is a decent bet for 250 plus yards and at least two touchdowns. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson at the Chicago Bears. On one hand, it was a fantastic sight to witness Robinson return from his offseason gunshot wounds to lead the backfield in carries and yardage. On the other hand, those numbers were nine attempts for 22 yards, and he had no role in the receiving game. Chicago has allowed the fifth most rushing yards on the second most carries, and the position has scored four times through five weeks. Since it's unlikely Chicago's offense can put up enough points to force a pass-heavy script, Robinson is shaping up to be a quality play on the ground. Wide receiver Darnell Mooney versus the Washington Commanders. Mooney is a low-volume fantasy option, and he's better utilized in non-PPR settings. This matchup a lines perfectly with that profile too as the commanders have done a decent job of limiting catches but have allowed big plays along the way. This is the number one matchup in fantasy points per touch, number two for yards per reception, number five for yardage generated, and number three for the ease of scoring among wideouts. If Mooney cannot make some noise in this one, He's barely worthy of a roster spot going forward. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku versus the New England Patriots. After a slow start to 2022, Njoku has emerged as one of the stronger fantasy plays in the last three weeks, particularly in PPR scoring. He has no fewer than five catches for 73 yards in any of those last three games, and this week he faces one of the more favorable opponents for his position. New England has allowed a touchdown per game on average to tight ends, but that's really about where the success has ended for all but Mark Andrews after he posted two scores in 89 yards. The next closest performance is four catches, 22 yards on a touchdown. But the Patriots will focus extensive attention to both the backfield and Amari Cooper, freeing up Njoku across the middle to move the chain. Don't expect a huge game, but something around 50 yards on a touchdown is certainly well within reach. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. I just say that he, he comes in ready to go each week. Uh, he's very humble. Uh, I think it's very, very important to him. He has very good leadership amongst the team. Uh, players got a lot of respect for him, and I know the coaches do too. We have confidence in him. Um, you know, he's done a really good job for, for our football team and the things that we've asked him to do. He's done them well. Um, I'm glad he's our quarterback. Well, there's Brian Dayball, Dan, and those are, those are telling words. Right? I'm glad he's our quarterback. I mean, I know Dayball's an old, an old Belichick guy he's from the Belichick tree, and uh, Bill Belichick, back in the day with Tom Brady, he used to say, you know, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have than Tom Brady. He wouldn't say nice things about Brady a lot, but when he would drop that every now and then, when he wanted people to know, fans to know, that there's no other quarterback he'd rather have. it. And I don't know if Dayball's there with DJ, but I'm glad he's our quarterback, unprompted, Dan. Ooh, man, I think Dayball, 
he might be a DJ guy. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe fans don't want to hear that, Dan, but DJ might not be going anywhere. I think it's genuine. I do. I don't think he's just blowing smoke. Uh, it's not just Dayball you hear it from. You hear it from all the coaches. You hear it from all his teammates. DJ is very well respected in that locker room. Fans, you know, may not respect him, but his teammates love him. Just listen to Saquon. Or actually, don't even listen to Saquon. Watch Saquon talk about Daniel Jones and look at the smile he gets on his face every single time he does. He loves that guy. The teammates love that guy. And this year, he's finally, you know, he's playing exceptionally well, in my opinion. I thought his best game came in the loss against the Dallas Cowboys. But you could make the argument that last week, with the exception of one single throw, which I'm which still blows my mind, actually, uh, might have been the best you know, performance of his entire life. You know, he went out there, hobbled. He was hurt. Um, his top four wide receivers are down. At one point, Saquon's out of the game. He's still facing the most pressure of any quarterback in the entire league. Um, he's bloodied up. You know, there's blood dripping all over the place. And, and he just goes out there and drives the team right down the field at, for game-winning score, essentially. And, um you know, he's clearly got a lot of confidence right now. Um, the coaches are, do, you know, doing excellent work with him, you know, playing him to his strengths. Uh, I think they've only had 100 traditional dropbacks out of 300 and something uh, pass attempts this season. Uh, they've got him doing half field reads now as opposed to full field reads, which, you know, what, which you heard me gripe about. He was having a hard time processing earlier in the year. So, the you know, the Giants kind of narrowed the scope a little bit and they, you know, that's what good coaches do. You get the best out of your players and you play them to their strengths. And we're finally seeing what DJ is capable of. Yeah, I, I can I can see why Dayball loves him. I mean, he again, you mentioned the sprained ankle. I mean, he started this game. He he didn't miss any snaps last week, really. Dan basically didn't miss any snaps right with the ankle. And then he comes back and starts this game like guys miss time with sprained ankles. Quarterbacks do. Uh, yeah. Daniel Jones played. He didn't flinch. Uh, it wasn't all perfect, obviously, but you know, just don't look at the box score with this team. This is not a box score Giants. Yeah, they're, it's not a box score it's, team. It's I a, agree hundred percent. It's a team that's just doing. They're making a couple more plays than the opponent, and it's it's working out for them. <laughs> and they're just they're just getting it done. But um, Jones did uncork a few uh, in this one, where I just saw mm-hmm. like I just saw a different dude. Like there was a couple where he's like, you could tell he knew he processed. He knew what he was doing. I think he unleashed one over the middle to Slayton where I was like, Slayton. oh, yeah. ooh. You know, it was it, incredible. That was it, probably the best pass of his career. It stopped you in your tracks, right? Just seeing like the confidence. It was a handoff, him. man. It yeah. was a handoff 20 yards downfield. Oh, it was that was like, whoa, he he uncorked that thing. Like that is that's the Daniel Jones we want, right? That's that's the confident guy. And it's interesting you say that Saquon's his his biggest supporter because it does seem that way, right? They do seem like they love each other. They're in each other's corners. Are they a package deal? Like when we talk about do Barkley and DJ both deserve new deals with the Giants? Is that something that's in play? I think that's an interesting topic that we'll be talking about throughout the season. Are these two becoming a package deal in your opinion? It's certainly starting to seem that way. And it's not just because of the admiration they have for each other. It's because they're starting to play exceptionally well. Um, And, you know, the success of one hinges on the success of the other because let's just be honest. Now, Daniel Bellinger is is playing his way into a role that's worth mentioning. But as of right now, the Giants have two offensive players outside of, you know, Andrew Thomas, who are essentially carrying this team. And it's Daniel Jones and it's Saquon Barkley. I would love to see, you know, what they're capable of if they were to get a deep threat at wide receiver or, uh, you know, just any any kind of talent wide receiver right now. And that's not to knock Slayton. He had an excellent game. Uh, 
but you know, realistically, he's been pretty inconsistent. But he, you know, he deserves his kudos for this past game. Um, so yeah, you kind of look at that, and they kind of feed off of each other. And, and and like I said, the success of one leads to the success of the other. And you know, it's hard to say, oh, they're tied together. You can't sign one, you know, without the other. But I think it's more along the lines of they're young, talented players who are continuing to extend. Saquon is arguably the best running back in the league, if not the best offensive player in the league when healthy. And Daniel Jones is his own dynamic kind of player. Um, You know, he's not maybe a traditional pocket passer, but, you know, that's not really how the NFL is built these days anyway. And, uh, you know, he's just so dynamic in in so many different ways that you kind of look at those two as, dare I say, potential building blocks as part of this rebuild. Saquon seems like an easy one, right, Dan? I mean, the way he's playing, um, I agree with you. He does look like him and Nick Chubb. Uh, it's it's one A, one B. Those two, but uh, he's currently on a seven point two million fifth year option, and the Giants could could they lock him? I mean, the top of the market at the running back position right now is like Christian McCaffrey's like sixteen million a year. Uh, could you lock up Saquon for twelve, thirteen million a year? And be okay with that with all your cap space in twenty twenty three. Probably right. that one seems like an easy one to me. What do you? Think? I don't know. He, he might. He might like. He, he might like a little bit more than that. Does he want seventeen? You know, Does this, he want to be the guy? Might, yeah, I, this might be Saquon's. Listen, he's got a history of injury. He runs hard. He takes. You know, he takes damage. That's that's the reality of his run style. He takes damage. So Saquon may go into this offseason look at it like I have one opportunity for the big contract, and. You know, the Giants, you know, lucky for them, they've got a whole lot of cap space. Now the question is, do you place that kind of value on a running back in modern NFL offenses? And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week. Is the NFL evolving again and becoming more of a run-dominant, you know, kind of you know, kind of game? And you look across the NFL and, you know, rushing numbers are up across the board. Uh, the Patriots, the Browns, the Giants, they're relying very heavily on the run. And it's working because defenses have adjusted to being a little bit more speedier, you know, coverage-oriented kind of players. And now the counterbalance as the pendulum swings back is is that power run. And, you know, if the general managers in this league believe that the, you know, the play style is headed back that way, it, it definitely boosts the value of these running backs. Now, I'm not the one to make that decision or make that say. Uh, but I think that's going to factor heavily into what kind of contract offer uh, Barkley gets, not just from the Giants, but from other teams. And I, I do think that it might be more towards the top end of the market. That's interesting. I mean, the team we just played, the Packers, had this decision uh, just a uh, offseason or so ago with Aaron Jones, right? And, and they gave him the contract. And it's like when this, when Saquon's your like so clearly your best skill player, <laughs> and and that that's because the wide receivers just aren't giving him a run for their money, Dan. He's so clearly your best offensive yeah, player. no doubt. Uh, and he's the focal point of your offense. And yeah, it's it's a running back, but it's not like that, that contract's not going to kill you. Hopefully that's a priority for the Giants to lock him up. I think, it, you know, Packers, they locked up Aaron Jones. I think the, I'm hoping the Giants do the same for Saquon, but we'll see. That, that is, remains to be seen. Well, right. Well, the other thing the Giants, you know, they're going to have to consider, they're going to go into free agency next year and Saquon and, and Daniel Jones are going to be free agents. What yeah. what else do they have? Right, exactly. You know, you're that's, already in a rebuild. Do you want to reset everything again going that's into two, next That's year? two of your big three on offense, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we've been so, talking about. DJ, like, Saquon, and uh, Andrew Thomas. 
Right. You go you, you're through one year of rebuild and you're like, ah, now we're going to get rid of our only two offensive stars and rebuild again. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're going to take that kind of approach. We're going to build around Andrew Thomas. We're going to hand him the football. We're going to let him throw it. We're going to do everything around Andrew <laughs> right. Thomas. Uh, yeah. So DJ is another interesting story uh, just because he's playing. He's playing much better football. He seems like he's clicking a little bit. He's taking that. He's taking a step forward under day ball, protecting the ball better. Uh, he's going to been a key part of the Giants run game. He's playing through injuries. He's trying to, you know, kind of fight back against that narrative too a little bit. Obviously, Dan. Now, Joe Shane declined Jones's fifth year option. As we know, the franchise tag is going to be around 30 million guaranteed for one year. That's not happening. He's not getting the franchise tag. The, the question is, if the Giants do want to offer Jones a multi-year deal, what's it look like? Right. What what could they if it's a cheap deal? Let's put the number at half the franchise tag, like 15 million a season. For Daniel Jones, if he continues to ascend and, and Dayball loves him and he thinks he can win with him, isn't that kind of a no-brainer? I mean, you could still go try to find a quarterback in the draft if you want. If you're not sure. going to be picking at the top of the draft anyway if you keep winning. We're 4-1 and one here, right? So I don't know where Tankathon has the Giants, but we got to be on the wrong end of that Tankathon right now, right? Yeah. Uh, $15 million a year for Jones with the way he's playing? Maybe the fans don't want to hear that, but that makes mm-hmm. sense at the quarterback position. That gives you all – I mean – that's a really good contract for a quarterback who's playing good football. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with, with your cap space when your quarterback's only making 15 a year. So what do you think about, with, is that in play? Would Jones be willing to take, you know, for a starter, that's low money, right? That's kind of, that's almost backup money. So would Jones play ball with that? Well, the, the, the issue with Jones is, is if he doesn't take an offer like that, assuming the Giants make such an offer, you know, he runs the risk of not starting next year and ultimately earning that same level of money sitting on the bench. Right, so, right. you know, the opportunity for him in that scenario would be to take the contract, you know, get under center, start again, and continue to develop and continue to improve and uh, improve his worth in the process. And if, you know, he goes through the rest of the season playing as well as he has, and let's say he gets a three-year, you know, let's say $38 million contract, something like that. And he goes out there next season and, you know, lights the world on fire. You know, Joe Shane's not going to have any problem going, all right, let's go seven years, however, you know, many hundreds of millions of dollars and <laughs> yeah. and, and go from there. Now, that's obviously a pie in the sky kind of yeah. scenario. That, that's if he morphs but, into Josh Allen, right? Like, right. Yeah. But, you know, but at least he gives himself that opportunity. You know, if you go somewhere else and you end up sitting on the bench, you're not going to have that opportunity. Your Your window to earn that money is probably gone. Um, and you're obviously comfortable and capable of success in Brian Dayball's offense. So I don't think Jones would really want to meddle with any of that kind of stuff, and he might not be thrilled with a lower-end starting contract. But, you know, let's just be honest, the past few years with his injuries and issues have kind of put him in this position where no matter how good he plays this season, he's probably not going to get that top-end contract. And if they do place the franchise tag on him, it's only going to be to negotiate, you know, a shorter term kind of deal that we just discussed. And if they can't work it out, they just withdraw the franchise tag. They're never going to pay them that $30 million a year. <laughs> no, no. And that's also why they didn't pick up his fifth year option. People read way too much into that. He wasn't worth that guaranteed money. Let's just be honest. And I'm a DJ supporter. You know, I am, but he wasn't worth that high end, that high end kind of deal. I don't think it was, it spoke, you know, about his potential future with the team. I just thought it was a good business decision. And, um, you know, and now we're seeing why that decision was made because it kind of gives the Giants some flexibility and kind of gives Jones a little bit of flexibility as well. And it's it's kind of working out. So I, I can see kind of a lower end or mid-tier kind of deal uh, for Daniel Jones for two or three years. And then he has the opportunity to earn more. And, uh, 
I, I think that's the best scenario for, for both sides. And obviously, if he continues to play the way he's playing now and the team continues to win under him, uh, the Giants are not only just going to be satisfied with that, Daniel Jones is going to position himself well because the Giants can't you know, draft one of those top quarterbacks because they're going to be drafting at the back end of the first round, not the top end of the first round. So, you know, that's just kind of the way it's playing out right now. And I know, like you said, there are some fans that aren't going to want to hear that. Um, but if things continue on the track they're on right now, you know, that that's the most sensible outcome that there is, is, is a, you know, a, a mid-tier contract for Daniel Jones. We're, we're still in a rebuild here, Dan. Um, so even the anti-DJ crowd, how could you scoff at what was the contract you threw out there three years, 38 million? How could you yeah. scoff at that? You're still in a rebuild. So that's a good bridge contract for a guy that's playing better football right now for you that the coach seems to like. I, I don't know how you could scoff at that. If, if Jones would play ball on that kind of deal, and then you can quibble over the guaranteed money. Maybe most of it's guaranteed. I don't know. Yeah, but, $20, $20 million, $22 million guaranteed. I'm, sign me up for that. That's, that's, per, that's a perfect contract. For the Giants, even if, it, even if it's a that? little higher than that, you know, even if the guaranteed money and the overall money is is a little higher than that, you know, but even at fifteen million dollars a year, that's still, you know, that's still great considering how well he's playing the Giants. Like I said, the Giants are winning, and you know, you're you're running out of options at the quarterback position the more you win. So unless you're going to drop a massive deal on someone like Lamar Jackson, which let's be honest, I mean, it oh. is. Possible. Maybe I don't that's in play. Likely, I don't. I don't think possible. the Ravens will let him go, <laughs> but right. maybe. But yeah. So unless you're in a scenario like that, then you know what are you going to do? You, you can't get your your rookie quarterback that you want unless you're going to give up a ton of draft assets, and you're in the middle of a rebuild with a paper thin roster. So I can't envision that scenario happening. Um, so to me, you know, if they could, like I said, if they continue on this trend, that seems like the most realistic potential outcome. Well, speaking of Lamar Jackson, Dan, that's who we got this week. So, you know, maybe a future Giants quarterback, that'd be sweet. Not happening. Not going to happen. The Ravens aren't letting this guy go, guys. <laughs> Not happening, but that's fun to talk about. Uh, the bigger question is, how the hell did the Ravens let their defensive coordinator go? Wink Martindale. He was, he was with the Ravens. They, they let him go. The Giants picked him up. We'll talk about that and that game and the spread, make a prediction. The great Danton, all of that right after this. All right, Dan, the Giants host the Ravens as Wink Martindale looks to exact revenge on the team that dumped him over the offseason. What were they thinking, Dan? Why'd they let Wink oh. Martindale go? Because they their defense <laughs> seems to have gotten worse. They, they've gotten better personnel, yeah. but they, they seem to have gotten worse. Yeah, they, they're, they've they improved a little bit in the last couple games, but their defense has is, is definitely taken a hit without Martindale. Um, you know, the belief is that it was kind of a mutual parting of ways. It was kind of like, you know, the Ravens wanted to move on, and Martindale was like, all right, see ya. And, um, you know, obviously he has aspirations of becoming a head coach someday. He's never made that, uh, you know, he, he's never made any bones about that. He's been pretty clear and transparent about his his desire to, to lead a team someday. And I don't know if he saw joining Dayball's staff as an opportunity for an audition or not. Um, but if he didn't, he made a tremendous decision because that's exactly what's happening here. Um, I don't know if he looks at, you know, Sunday's game like a revenge game. Uh, but I find it hard to believe whether or not, you know, whether that split was mutual or not, that he's not looking at this game and going, this is the one that I want. There's no doubt that this game was circled on his calendar. And to the Giants' advantage, you know, who who knows more about the Ravens' offense and Lamar Jackson and their strengths and weaknesses than Wink Martindale, who practiced against them every single day for years. Bingo. 
<laughs> Bingo, right? That's that's part of the commentary when you're looking at this game, right? Giants, Ravens. Giants are home, but they're five and a half point dogs uh, on the money line on Tipico Sportsbook. They're plus one ninety. Uh, so the Ravens are decent favorites favorites here coming on the road because of the quarterback, Lamar Jackson. He's just an MVP candidate. He's playing great football right now. There's there's no getting around that. He's awesome. He's spectacular. But I don't know. Lamar, Dan, he's always been the guy that, while he is special and brilliant and he makes these amazing plays, he he's, not, he's never been the most accurate passer. If you can get him, I've always thought with Lamar Jackson, if you can get him in obvious passing situations where he has to stand in the pocket and make a throw, you, you can probably win those downs more often than not. Get him in third and longs, right? You can win those downs. So it'll be interesting to see how the Giants go and you know go about their pass rush and kind of trying to contain Jackson. If you can keep him in the pocket and make him throw, I, I kind of like your chances. Five and a half points to give the four and one Giants, Dan. That's, that's a lot of points to give him at home. What's the great Danton thinking? Got the crystal ball out? What do you think? Well, whether the Giants win or lose this game, I'm not. I'm not buying that spread. It, you know, if, listen. If the Giants lose, it's going to be like by one or two points. That that's how I honestly feel looking at this mm-hmm. game. The Giants have played. Let's. They played close games all year long. You know, the wins, losses, it doesn't matter. The game is always close. Now, granted, you know, the Dallas game was six or seven points, whatever it was. Um, but the other games have been relatively close, and I just don't see a scenario in which the Baltimore Ravens with, you know, their relatively lackluster wide receiver group uh, coming in and blowing the Giants out of the water. You know, the Giants are going to have the benefit of putting Landon Collins on the field this weekend, and that's going to allow them to kind of take Mark Andrews out of this game. And I've got to assume that that's going to be the approach is just take Mark Andrews out of the game and and make Jackson beat you going down the field to some of these wide receivers. And like you said, I don't think that's necessarily their strength. So, whether, like I said, whether or not the Giants win, I, I just don't see, I, I just don't see them losing by that many points. Their strength is explosive plays, right? Either with the run game or Lamar Jackson running or hitting these big balls to like, yeah, in. he's and, yeah. he's got an incredibly strong arm. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But they're they're really hit or miss those yeah. if those can, big plays down the field. If you could take those away and you take away the security blanket of Mark Andrews, which that doesn't make me happy, Dan, because Mark Andrews is my fantasy tight end, so we don't. Sorry, <laughs> don't take him away too much there. Wink, you know, let him catch a couple for me. Uh, but this spread stuck out to me. Five and a half point dogs, the Giants, they're, they're four and one. They're playing good football. They're feeling good. The vibes are better, as we said, Dan. This almost reminded me last week of that Cowboys Rams spread. The Cowboys were five and a half point dogs to the Rams on the road. But you know how the Rams are. That's in L.A. You knew there would be more Cowboys fans than Rams fans. And I just thought. Ooh, that spread. I like Dallas. I like Dallas in that spread. And this one, I, I kind of, I like the Giants. I'm, I've never been a big Ravens fan. I always have pushed back when everyone's like, oh, the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. Blah, blah, blah. They're the, one of the best teams in the conference. I'm like, I don't think so. I, I always push back against the Ravens. There's just something off about that team. Their defense is, they'll, they'll just get gashed sometimes like Swiss cheese. Sometimes the offense will struggle with Lamar Jackson, you know, having some accuracy issues or whatever. Or, and then, some John Harbaugh will make some weird analytics decision that'll screw them over at the end of a game. You know what I mean? Like they won't take the points when they're right there. So I'm I'm not a big Ravens fan. So maybe this is coming into it, but I think five and a half is too many points too. I, I'm is, not saying I the Giants so. are going to win, but I, I think I would take those points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I was surprised. I'm just like you said. I was surprised when I saw that line. Um, 
you know, especially given that the Giants are the home team and, and generally the home team was given those three points. So really Vegas is looking at that like, you know, an eight and a half point spread. And I yep. think that's I think that's kind of wild. I, I don't know who came up with that one, <laughs> but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think in any way. Uh, shape or form that's going to happen, especially if the Giants can get like Leonard Williams back, Aziz Ojolari back, Landon Collins on the field, you know, Dane Belton comes back healthy. You know, they have the weapons on that defense to play, you know, right uh, right up against the Ravens offense and, and take away every strength that they have. I think the Giants can play with this team. I do. And if they if they win it, Dan, look out. Just look, look out. If they beat Ravens and uh, Packers in back-to-back weeks, and they're five and one, and DJ's playing well. Look out! There, there will be, uh, you know, there will be quite, quite a battle between the anti DJ crowd and the, <laughs> and the pro DJ crowd, right? It's going to be, it's going to come to a head. If he well, plays, it well, amazes me that the Giants are four and one, and it's <laughs> the most fun that it's had in years. And there are those people out there who they just can't allow themselves to enjoy it because they need Daniel Jones to suck and he doesn't suck. And that makes them feel sucky. And that's the weirdest thing I've ever, it's the strangest dynamic I've ever seen with this fan base. Yeah. Again, there's, there's a couple things. The, uh, the Darnay Holmes uh, video that we can't really explain. We can't really explain the bloody, the bloody thing with Daniel Jones at his center. That's another thing we can't really explain. (laughs) audio wise Dan you just need the visual to understand yeah. what we're saying there uh, we'll get kicked yeah. off we'll get kicked off by USA Today if we really go into detail on what, what we saw there but come on man if you're not having fun with this ball, this team right now then yeah, you you're, you're, you're missing out life's too short you, you gotta, gotta be enjoying this you gotta be enjoying this so great. Is, and, that, and it, it, you know there's reason to be excited about this game this weekend yeah. too because I do I do think the Giants match up particularly well and the deeper I look into it um, earlier this week the, the more I I feel that way now my column in usa today sports weekly is going to show you know a ravens victory by two points but you know deadlines you know they kind of mess up <laughs> predictions because you know my mind is changing a little bit sure uh the more i look into this and and i think you know if they could spy lamar jackson tackle well take away you know take away the tight end and and, and you know even if you let up a couple of big plays down the field chances are you're going to get the opportunity to intercept a couple of those two which the giants haven't done this year mm. um so you know like i said i think they match up well a lot more you know a lot better than i thought initially uh certainly when the, the schedule came out and even when i made that usa today sports weekly prediction um I, I think the giants match up a lot a lot better than than most people realize and uh Maybe Wink's insight is what you know tips him over the edge. I think that's that's a huge factor. I think being home, I think the crowd is going to be into it. I think we're going to hear those Giants fans and be you know hear that excitement, Dan. They're going to be they're going to be loud. Yeah, can't can't leave it to Justin Tucker at the end though, because if you do, you're going to lose. Yeah, 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 yeah. To- totally, totally. And that's why you know <laughs> don't that's... put yourself in that situation. Exactly. No, he doesn't miss. Uh, but you know, five and a half points. Uh, I I don't Too see much. the Ravens beating the Giants by multiple scores at all. I just no. don't. I don't. Um, I, I don't. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, give me the points. So, great stuff as always from you, Dan. What's going on on Giants Wire here for the rest of the week? Just previewing this ball game. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of Baltimore Giants previews coming up. Um, you know, and then obviously there's going to be a whole boatload of news when it comes to whether it's transactions or injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, the Giants are yeah. quite gimpy, so that's going to take center stage as it usually does, unfortunately. Um, the hope this this week is that there's good injury news. You know, Wendell Robinson coming back, hopefully. Leonard Williams, Azizo Jolari coming back, hopefully. Dory, hopefully not too too injured. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be a whole 
heck of a lot of injury news, unfortunately. But, you know, if you're not interested in that, just weed it out. Check out the previews. Uh, we'll be doing some behind enemy lines with Raven's Wire. Those are always fun. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of other interactive articles as well. That's Dan Benton. Check out his stuff and his, his team on Giants Wire. They do great work. Um, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Again, hit subscribe for us. Get the podcast right on your phone. You want, you want to hear Dan's takes on these games. It's, it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. Um, and uh, we will catch you next week after Ravens-Giants. Looking forward to it. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.